Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I am your host, Associate Pastor Jonathan Johnston, and I am joined once again today by Student Pastor David Carpenter. How are y'all doing? And we are wrapping up our sermon series called The New Exodus that has been bringing us lessons out of Ezra and Nehemiah and what that has to say for us today. Uh, and today we are going to be in the book of Nehemiah, final chapter, Nehemiah 13. Uh, and we're going to read verses 4 through 9 before we uh, kind of get into th- this closing thought with the sermon series. So Nehemiah 13, 4 through 9 says, Now before this, Eliashib, the priest, had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was a relative of Tobiah and had prepared a large room for him where they had previously stored the grain offerings, the frankincense, the articles, and the tents of grain, new wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, singers, and gatekeepers, along with the contributions for the priests. While all this was happening, I was not in Jerusalem, because I had returned to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign. It was only later that I asked the king for a leave of absence, so I could return to Jerusalem. Then I discovered the evil that Eliashib had done on behalf of Tobiah by providing him a room in the courts of God's house. I was greatly displeased and threw all of Tobiah's household possessions out of the room. I ordered that the rooms be purified, and I had the articles of the house of God restored there, along with the grain offering and frankincense. So, Jonathan, we're kind of wrapping up uh, what we have seen is a... Um, really a, a larger story within the story of Scripture. These two books, and of course, uh, the book of Esther that follows these two books could really be added into these stories chronologically. It would probably happen before. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this this time period in, in the history of God's people um, where these two men that we're looking at, Ezra and Nehemiah, um, from captivity, have a desire to go and restore God's kingdom. Now, we talked about, and you talked about early, and I thought this was really cool, that God had already said how long these people would be in exile before the, mm-hmm. their kingdom was restored. And uh, it was amazing to me to see that, hey, what God's already uh, written about you is true, mm-hmm. and what God has already spoken over us is true. Mm-hmm. And life may not always look like that, but <laughs> I want to encourage somebody that, hey, what God has set you to, what God has sent you into, hey, it is true and it is good, and God is reliable uh, to do what he has promised. But uh, these two men, uh, they both independently have these visions at somewhere around the same time in history, but not uh, necessarily back-to-back, right? Right. Um, to, uh, in, in the case of, of Nehemiah, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and in, in the case of Ezra, to rebuild the temple of God, the place of worship in, uh, in Jerusalem. So uh, these two men independently set off on these journeys. And uh, if you read these two books, which I hope you've kind of read through them with us here over these past couple of weeks, you see that God does an incredible uh, work through these two men and their leadership, but also through God's people. Mm-hmm. That in um, what was over a, a course of many years, but relatively quick, God has restored his 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 people's city. Mm-hmm. That um, not only has he rec- restored the temple, which represented uh, the, the presence of God amongst them and the power of God and the blessing of God on them, but he's also restored their walls, which represented their strength and their unity. 
And um, through this story, we've discussed uh, that, you know, kind of what we believe and what we see for not only our church, but the capital C, the church of Jesus Christ, all the Christians around the world is that there's a mission for us, Mm -hmm. that we are sent on a journey together. And um, through that journey, we have, have kind of seen different elements uh, of it. And, and we talked about uh, the, the need for us to be together. I talked about that in our second week and, and how we've got to kind of work together on these things. And uh, we've talked about um, the, the importance of sacrifice and service. And we've talked about um, the, the important, importance of joy and, and repentance mm-hmm. and all of these elements of the journey that we are on together. We get to the end of this story and we see that the temple has been rebuilt. That's mentioned in this chapter of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Temple's been rebuilt. The walls have been reconstructed. God's city and his presence are arresting uh, once again uh, on his people. Then we see something very curious. Nehemiah goes back to Babylon. He had been ruling or, or kind of a governor over this area. Most biblical scholars think for at least about 12 and a half, 13 years, somewhere in there. And he goes back to Babylon, whether to, to report or to check in with the king. Of course, uh, his uh, Esther, uh, the, the, the queen, might have still been living. She probably had passed by this time, but likely there was still people who were, um, you know, related to the Jewish people still in Babylon. So there was still family there and perhaps went to go see family, but goes back to Babylon. And while he's gone, something uh, really mind-blowing happens. Eliashib, this man, uh, he he invites into the the house of God um, this man named uh, Tobiah, and he makes a chamber for him mm-hmm. inside the temple. Now, the temple was not like modern day churches. You know, you would think, well, you know, if we had a room in the church uh, and somebody needed a place to stay right. and they were going to be homeless without it, we could offer it to them so that they could use it as a way to get back on their feet. It's not a big deal. But the temple was a holy place, a, a separated place, and it, it didn't have lots and lots and lots of rooms in it. This was likely a, a storehouse within the temple where uh, people would bring their offerings and the offerings would be stored. So this priest clears out the <laughs> offerings that people have brought to God and says, hey, I'm going to let my buddy stay here, crash for a while. And this was not only obviously stupid of him, but it was directly against what God had commanded, what God had set apart for his temple. And Nehemiah comes back and he finds this. <laughs> and Nehemiah is mad. He is really, really really mad. Uh, if you look in the back of, of this chapter, chapter 13, uh, it talks about, uh, how Nehemiah, uh, treated some of these, these people, uh, and, and talked about, uh, he confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair. And I made them to take an oath in the name of God saying, you shall not give your daughters to their sons. So Nehemiah comes back and first he finds this man in the temple. And then he finds a, a greater, uh, problem within the people of Israel that, they have begun already to turn their hearts away from God. Mm-hmm. They've begun already to give their daughters, to marry uh, people who are, are not uh, uh, of the, the, the tribes or the people of Israel. They're not of God's people. And if we think back to week one in this series, we think back to what caused this exile, right. which they had to come back from. Then they had to rebuild. 
and they had to struggle through the rebuild. I mean, th- this rebuilding process was difficult. There, there was accusations made about these two men. There was uh, forces that tried to stop them. They were in constant threat of attack. Even with God's blessing, there was still challenge. Even with God's uh, sending, there was still difficulty. Mm-hmm. So they have overcome all of this. They have, they have achieved this incredible thing. And now God's people have already begun to go back Mm-hmm. to living the way that they did, which caused their exile in the first place. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want us to kind of sit in this story, um, mm-hmm. a story of success, certainly, mm-hmm. that these men set out on, that God used them and blessed them, and God kept his promise. Mm-hmm. But also a story that's really heartbreaking because we see how quickly the hearts of God's people go right back to the behaviors that caused them to walk in exile Mm -hmm. and how quickly that negatively affects their life. And and Nehemiah understandably is so angry. Nehemiah is so frustrated because he has been through this whole process. He started this journey uh, in, in captivity Mm-hmm. And he started this journey uh, weeping because uh, he, he, his city had been destroyed and the walls had been torn down. He, he gets the courage to go and stand before the king to ask him to rebuild this. And he sees it happen. And though there's resistance, he sees the walls built and he sees God's people come together. And he achieves this great thing through the power of God and the people of God and their success. And they read God's word and there's repentance and there's revival. And now the hearts of God's people have already begun to turn mm-hmm. back to the things that caused them to walk in exile before. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be easy, Jonathan, for us sitting here reading a story from thousands of years ago to go, man, those people are stupid. Mm-hmm. I can't believe <laughs> they would ever do that. Right. God gave them such simple rules. But how foolish even more so are we, mm-hmm. people on the other side of the cross, Mm-hmm. who have been given God's grace. And last night or, or uh, last week, our, our students, we talked on Wednesday nights about the freedom of our identity in Christ. Now that's, that's so freeing. We've been given this freedom and this grace and a relationship with God, but how quickly do we turn our hearts back to the bondage of this world, mm-hmm. back to the bondage of the culture around us? Mm-hmm. And, and here's, the, here's kind of the idea uh, that we're discussing, looking at today. It's, it's this idea that the work of God in our lives needs building maintenance. Mm-hmm. That the work of God is not finished, but it is constant. That if we are not constantly attentive to what God is seeking to do in us, we will quickly, oh so quickly as they did here in Nehemiah <laughs> chapter 13, slip and have our hearts turned back to the ways of, of the world and the ways of the culture and the things that we've left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking through, you know, anyone who's listening to this lived through the pandemic. And when the pandemic first hit, none of us knew what that was going to look like. None of us had ever lived through anything like that in our lives before. And I remember as different things were taken away because people were told to stay home or people... You know, stores didn't have the same supplies and we started shopping online more and and doing those type things. And people through that started saying, man, 
I'm I'm recognizing how much more time I have now to spend with my kids or spend with my family because I'm here more. I'm at home more. I'm around. And through that, you also heard people talking about, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Mm, yeah. And I remember during that time just reading uh, the story of Gideon and having a cautionary word about how his story ends up. Yeah. And don't be so quick to rush back into what was normal. Because maybe, just maybe, God can use a pandemic to help reorient us to what is important and some of the stuff that was stripped away. Maybe maybe those things weren't the things that were important. And lo and behold, restrictions start moving away. People get to return to a normal sense of life from what they had before. And how quickly did everybody rush right back in to doing things exactly how we did them before. And some of those same people who talked about how much they enjoyed time with family now find themselves right back to working uh, at jobs that keep them away from family and they don't have that same time with family. And it's, it's like, what, what, what did we lose sight of things that were important that we learned (laughs) we threw back out when, Oh, we can go back to this convenience. Yeah. I think about, you know, um, it's, it's here in September. I'm always remembering of uh, September the 11th mm-hmm. and the tragedy that happened on, on in our country on September 11th, 2001. Of course, I was very young at the time, but um, September 11th, 2001, the, the Sunday after, <laughs> football yeah. stopped. Yep. I, I love football. I'm excited for football kicking off this week and, and I will be watching lots of football. Don't worry about me, but <laughs> football stopped. And the churches were full. Mm-hmm. And yep. in those moments where people were, were scared, mm-hmm. people were unsure of what life was, mm-hmm. they turned to God for a moment, mm-hmm. you know. And then slowly but surely, those same people went back to life the way it was. It happens often with people in crisis. Something goes wrong in our lives. We, we turn to God and, 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 and we start praying and, and, and we pick up our Bible and we're, we're at church. And then as that crisis slips away, we slowly slip away and turn back to the life we were living before. And, um, you know, I, I don't want people to hear this message or this, this idea as a message of legalism. Right. God's approval on you can only be changed by one thing. Mm-hmm. Is it is your life a life that has declared the lordship of Jesus Christ? Right. For if you're standing covered in in Jesus' sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection of the cross, you are approved uh, uh, by God. You have the favor of God on you. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. Mm-hmm. God's favor is placed on us by Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. So that there's only one uh, on or off switch for the favor of right. God. So right. don't hear me and say that God's favor, or that God is angry, walked in God's, you know, checking the box to see who's at church this Sunday. <laughs> but it's really more about our heart than right. it is about God. Right. God is a loving father who just like the prodigal's, uh, prodigal son, the father who's, who sits and looks for his son 
always is waiting and watching for repentant hearts, welcoming and loving and encouraging those. Um, but I, I want to question our hearts because I, I look at our lives and I think that sometimes, you know, something goes wrong and we pray a prayer that's, you know, God, if you'll only bail me out of this mess, I promise I'll never cuss at my wife again. Or God, if you'll only help me pay this bill, I promise I'll tithe every Sunday for the rest of my life. Or God, if you'll just, you know, give me some, some help out here or, or, or do this, or give me this raise at my job, I promise I'll never take the boat out on another Sunday. And that's not what God's looking for. Right. That's not what God's looking for. What God is looking for and what God blesses, though your your favor with God cannot be earned or changed, what God does bless is our hearts when they are surrendered to God, when we are walking in his will. And what you see here is what I'm afraid is the people here in Nehemiah, they quickly forgot the blessing of God that was on them when they walked in his plan, when they together joined up, when they brought their gifts and their skills and their abilities and together marched towards the goal and the plan of God, they were united by God and together they saw this great achievement. And so quickly they forgot. And you know, one of the things I think that leads to this is a lack of humility. Mm -hmm. And I certainly am preaching at myself today when I say that. <laughs> Um, that's something that I constantly have to check in my own heart. David, are you walking in humility in this? Is this something that you're doing? Even good things, you know, preaching sermons, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. That's something you and I do quite frequently, you know, mm -hmm. both of us once or twice a week, mm -hmm. likely. Um, so, so preaching a sermon is good. And, and I appreciate when people come up and say, Hey, your message today, it blessed me. And I, mm -hmm. I'm thankful for you. you did a great job. And, and, you know, truthfully, God has put a gift inside of us to do that. But the question I have to ask for myself is, am I walking in a spirit of humility that's saying God is working through me and using that gift, amplifying that gift? Or am I walking in a spirit of pride that's saying, oh, yeah, I can preach a good sermon. I, I'm, I, you know, I can help people out. Because the truth is that w where you see the blessing of God is when our hearts are turned to him, when our hearts are in step with him. And when our hearts start to turn back towards ourselves, it doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter where we're doing it. It can be in the temple. But if our heart is, is to put a friend of ours up in the temple <laughs> and ignore right. the gifts that have been given to the, the storehouse of God, then we are, are maybe in a good place. Maybe we have a good title of priest, but our heart is in pride turned away from God. Mm -hmm. And we see consistently through scripture that God opposes the proud, but he, he, he honors the humble. That, that pride is, is a characteristic that comes between us and God. So I think that one thing you'll see in our hearts and a question that we have to ask ourselves to ask if our hearts are turned towards God, if we're walking in him, how do we do this building maintenance on ourselves is to continually walk in humility. Psalm uh, 145 says, search me, O God, and know my right. heart. Yep. See if there's any wicked way in me. Yeah. Cleanse me and, and, and help me to walk in the path of righteousness. Are, are we people who walk in humility mm -hmm. or pride and have we asked that of ourselves? Yeah. I think, I think it's a really good question to go back and, and you brought out Eliashib, the priest and do, do we use our position? Cause God gives us whatever position we have. Yep. Do we use our position for privilege or for praise? And, and he used his position for privilege because he was the priest. Yep. Then he got his buddy Tobiah, a room yeah and and clear stuff out so he 
he sacrificed the nation's benefit for his own privilege where if he was living in a, in uh, understanding that his position was to praise, man, he would have never taken out the stuff that belonged to God for his buddy to have a, a, a place to sleep. Like he never would have done that. He would have instead, you know, here's a thought. How about Elias should open up his own living quarters yeah. for Tobiah if yeah. he wanted Tobiah to have a place to stay. Yeah. You know, there's there's things there. So this is not a message of God being harsh towards those in need. This is this is a message of Eliashib using his position for privilege and abusing that rather than praising God. Yeah. And having the the humility to say, hey, this this is not mine. This is God's. And this is true. You know, this would be the same as if uh, somebody was hungry and mm-hmm. you stole the money to feed them, <laughs> right, right? Like, right. like yeah. doing a wrong thing to do a good thing, whether whether right. regardless of Eliashib's yeah. motivations, doesn't yeah. make that right. No, makes for but, a great story like in Robin Hood, yeah. but not, but not good theology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you said something really important is that all positions are, are given by God. Okay, can, can, can we just get real here? Is God-given positions, we believe, are your position as a parent. Mm-hmm. And can I ask, as a student pastor, when you look at your kids, are those, are those in your mind, oh, those are my kids, mm-hmm. and I, I want them to be a, a baseball player one day so that I can have that money and, and be famous. So I'm going to push them towards baseball. Or I, I want them to be a, lo- a doc- doctor or a lawyer so they can make a lot of money and I can brag to all my friends. Hey, every year at Christmas, I'm amazed because I see parents who, to me, it comes across that their motivation in buying a lot of stuff for Christmas has nothing to do with with them or with their kids, but it's really how they can brag to their friends at work. So can I ask that, hey, God's given you a position, parent. Are you are you are you stewarding in humility that position that God's given you? Have you checked your heart in that? And and have you made sure to do the maintenance on 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 your your heart as a parent? Hey, marriages require maintenance. Mm-hmm. Healthy, happy marriages that last that make it through difficulty are marriages that are constantly under maintenance. That's why we encourage people to to go to counseling and to seek people who can um, speak into their marriage who are wiser than them and have spent more years doing it. You say, David, I've been married a really long time. Hey, go to somebody who has expertise in how <laughs> inner uh, 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 marriage relationships work. Read books. Go on retreats. Go on dates. Spend time together. Pray together. Why? Because good marriages, marriages that last are ones that require and 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 ones that experience constant maintenance. So I think that the first thing that we really see through this is in order to, to keep our hearts in tune with God and, and to continue to walk in the way of God, to see God continue to build, we got to check our hearts. We got to check for the pride in our hearts because I really believe that at the root of every sin, if you look deep enough, what you'll find is an instance of pride. Yeah. That pride uh, is really our motivating factor. It's it's our failing uh, component as a human being is to think that we know better than God, we can do better than God, that we would be better as God. Mm-hmm. And that all begins with pride. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to check the pride in our hearts and, and continually turn back towards God in humility mm-hmm. to, to resist this relapse, to, to continue to do that building maintenance, to continue to work towards uh, what God has for us. And I, I think God's people forgot that so quickly. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and, and if you look in the New Testament in some of the writings of Paul, you have this theme even to the letters he writes to churches. So this is not, 
a problem just held by uh, the Hebrews in the Old Testament. This is a problem for all of us uh, today. It was a problem in the New Testament. And Paul, you know, it, he reminds people, hey, you, you've been set free for freedom's sake. Yeah. But don't use that freedom mm-hmm. to serve yourself. Use it to serve others. And in other places he says, hey, since you've been set free, why would you go back yeah. to what enslaved you? Yeah. And and that's what we see happening here in Nehemiah 13. Is, is, and part of the reason Nehemiah is so frustrated and so angry yeah. is they have just walked through all this together as a people. And there are other instances, if you've been following along in the sermon series with us, there are other instances where they were on the verge of uh, oh, going back to to what cost them? Yeah. Uh, the, both in Ezra and in Nehemiah, there were the reason there was confession of sin on a national level was because they had sinned, and so so there are instances throughout this journey together where they have said, "Hey, we we've got to repent." Yeah, and something else you see here is, you know, I think that you see pride in their hearts. But if you read down here. Um, towards, uh, well, it's the bottom of my page, but uh, verse 14, remember me, O God, this is Nehemiah talking concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for this house and uh, for the house of my God and for his servant. Verse 15, in those days I saw Judah, in Judah, people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they uh, brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on that day when they uh, sold food. So these people have, uh, the priest has had somebody move into the temple, so they've desecrated a holy place. Then also they've they've forgotten uh, the law of God. Of course, we saw, they read the law. Mm-hmm. They read it out loud. <laughs> right, right. And all the people heard it and repented and rejoiced at hearing the law of God read. But we know that keeping the Sabbath was part of this law. And of course, today, you know, we are free from the law, but that does not mean that God's law has no value or worth in our lives. And I would ask, I would ask people that, that have begun to turn their hearts away from God. I, I think that humility is a start. Same thing I would ask is, are you making time to rest? Mm-hmm. You've taken time to Sabbath. Because mm-hmm. I think that, hey, in, in 2022 in America, one of the biggest lies of our culture is this culture that it's always work, always on, never stop, grind your way to the top, never take time to rest, never take time to worship. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about this recently. I would encourage people to, to consider and ask, hey, is being in the house of God, being in a place of worship, a priority in my life? Have I forgotten the importance of that place and what God does in the presence uh, of, of his believers and how God speaks and moves when we are in community and congregation? And, and listen, uh, once again, this is not a, a judgmental message. Uh, maybe you're listening to this and, and you've never been to, to our church or any other church you live far away from here could never come to our church on a regular basis. That's okay. We want to encourage you to find a church, to plug into a church, to be part of a church. Why? Because it's in that communal worship that God speaks and moves in special ways and encourages us and gives us strength for the days ahead. It's in quiet moments of rest where we set aside time for God that we are refueled and replenished and we can go back into our day and into our week uh, ready to face the struggles of the world. I think that so often the times that we drift from God, that that our hearts uh, fall away from him are times that we never prioritize resting. Mm-hmm. And we get burnout, we get overworked, we get exhausted. 
it's, you know, this job and it's, it's get the kids to practice mm-hmm. and it's uh, got to do this thing and it's got to check this box and got to get this done. And our lives become so tedious and so busy that we never take time to be still, right. to know that he is God. And mm-hmm. Jesus said that he came to give us rest. Mm-hmm. Rest is what Jesus offers. And I want to ask you, are you living a restless life? Because I believe that restless lives become reckless lives. Mm -hmm. That often if we don't take time to Sabbath, to rest, to be intentional about that, we will do what these people did and our hearts will turn away from God. Because it's in the rest that we find our faith to trust God in the days that we're working. Yeah, and and rest is very important. I had heard someone recently talking about even the feeding of the 5,000. And within that passage, if you note the first thing Jesus does when he receives the fish and the loaves is he instructs the disciples to have all the men sit down. Well, why? Because they've been standing while he's been teaching because that was how they did in, in those days. Boy, I'm glad, I bet people are glad. I know I'm glad that we don't do that anymore. Right. right? But he, but he told them, sit down. Well, that's, that's a verse we often just fly by. But it's in there for a reason because he's basically telling them, take your rest, mm. sit down. I'm about to serve you food, but, but sit down, be still, rest. Because if they don't sit down and he just starts serving them, man, they, they might have missed in some of the commotion what was really happening. But when you sit down and they can clearly see as he prays and blesses the, the food and then all of a sudden starts distributing it, now, now they are all witnesses to this miracle, and they're all witnesses to see what he's doing for them. Uh, and so it is important that, that in the busyness of life, we prioritize rest. A lot of times we prioritize our busyness and say, well, we'll, we'll figure out time to rest whenever. Uh, but no, like you have to prioritize rest. Yeah. Last thing, and I know that we're nearing the end of our time, is see that these people forgot about God's family. They stop prioritizing the lineage of, of what would be the Savior. And that's something that I think is important to understand when we read the Old Testament. The reason why God was so strict about who his people uh, married and who they had children with is because they, the purpose of God's people was to bring God's son. That the purpose and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham was that the Messiah would come and that our, our salvation would come through his people. And God fulfilled that promise. But he was so specific and so particular because he is a good God and a just God and an honest God and wanted to see his promise come true. So these people have begun to forget about and they've begun to neglect the house of God to marry with other um, nations. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes what we do when our hearts begin to turn away and that we, we stop doing that, that building maintenance on our lives as followers of Jesus is we stop prioritizing the, 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 the presence and, and the time spent with the people of God. It's been said that, you know, in five years, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the people that you spend time with and the books that you read. Mm-hmm. And it is so important who has influence over us. Mm-hmm. And, and I really don't just mean this and going to church. This going to church is part of this. Don't get me wrong. But who are the people that influence us? Mm-hmm. 
who are the people where we invest our time? I think this is a struggle for students, that students who have good hearts, that want to follow Jesus, that want to live lives uh, that are honoring to God, they come to church on Sunday, they come to church on Wednesday, and they spend time with other believers, and then they go back to school. And I'm not saying that, hey, if somebody's not a believer, we should be rude to them, or we should push them away, or we should uh, even not consider them a friend. But if the people who are influencing our lives are not followers of Jesus— then what do we expect but that our lives will begin to reflect Mm -hmm. someone who is not following Jesus? If we're in dating relationships Mm -hmm. with people who are not honoring and following Jesus with their lives, what do we expect but that our person will begin to not reflect and, and honor Jesus? So it's very important who we have not just invested our time with, but people truly who have influence over us. Are we allowing people to influence us outside of what God would lead us to? Because this, this, this building maintenance that we are doing on our lives to continually walk in the plan that God has for us requires humility, yes. It requires rest, yes. But, but it requires us to be in constant uh, uh, dialogue within ourselves about the relationships that we are in. Because our relationships affect us so much. And, of course, that begins with our personal relationship with Jesus. Are we spending time in God's word? Are we spending time in God's presence? Are we spending time in prayer and in worship? Um, I think, you know, this is something that seems kind of silly, but I would encourage somebody to try this. If you want to change your life, if you want to change your life, spend one month. And if you listen to podcasts, cut out all your, which I'm a huge podcast person, cut out all your sports podcasts. Listen to to sermons and Bible studies. If you listen to music, cut your music out and listen to just worship music. And I promise you, your attitude will change. Mm -hmm. I promise you, your heart will change. The way that you walk into situations will change. Why? Because it's not just the people we spend our our, our, literal time with, but the people who have influence us and influence over us affect us. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to see that. I mean, shoot, I'm from Alabama. If you send me down and, and I go home for about three weeks, mm-hmm. and people tell me I have an accent now, but I don't hear it. <laughs> but if I go home for about three weeks, when I come back, my draw gets a little bit slower <laughs> and more drawn out. Yep. And my yowls get a little uh-huh. bit deeper. Yep. And my rice and nice and ice <laughs> get a little bit more drawn out. Why? Because the people that you spend time with influence you. Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you, who is influencing you? Who are the people that are, 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 are either leading your heart towards God or pulling your heart uh, away from God? I said dating relationships so much earlier. It's so important why you date or who you date, why it matters, because it has an impact over your life. The people that we spend time with and we hang around will push us towards good or pull us away from God's plan. So I want to encourage you this week, uh, consider in your life, what, are, what is the building maintenance? What are the things I'm doing to, to continue to, to see the work of God in my life prosper? Mm-hmm. God's favor is on you. Don't get me wrong. But God's blessing is on those who are walking in the path that he's laid out for them. I think there's a simple plan, a simple uh, checklist almost in this passage to see from other people's failures. They say there's no shortcuts in life. That's not true. Shortcuts in lives are seeing how other people have messed up. Mm -hmm. So here's God's people messing up. And how did they fall back into the habits of the past? Well, they they got prideful. Mm -hmm. Their their hearts swelled with pride, and we know that pride always separates us from God. Mm -hmm. They stopped resting. They stopped making a priority, the the law of God, and following the, the path of God for their lives. Then they spent time outside of God's people people who worshiped other gods, people who, who, who uh, fell at other altars. 
and that drug them away from God's heart and to those other altars as well. So ask yourself, hey, am I, am I in a humble state before God? Do I think that I've got it all together and that I've got it all figured out, that I've done it all? Or are we walking in humility before God? Are we resting? Are we making time for the place and, and for, the, for the, the heart of God to worship God? And who's influencing us? Who is speaking over our lives? Because those things, I believe, will impact us in, in our journey towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, as you're talking about who influences you, that doesn't mean that we don't have relationships with those who are not believers. Yeah, definitely not. But we should never enter relationships where they are influencing us. We should, in, in fact, be seeking to influence others. That's that's what God's called us to. We are salt and light. We yeah. are supposed to be influencing. Yeah. Uh, and so the reason we encourage you to be part of a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching community uh, of faith is because your brothers and sisters in Christ when you gather around them, it is true what Scripture says: iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And and recently, I saw a, a meme or a sticker. I don't remember what it was that said, "If iron sharpens iron, why are you spending all of your time with butter knife people?" Mm. And that's true. We as Christians need to understand: you you can spend some time with butter knife people. That's that's fine. Yeah. But iron sharpens iron. And so if you're wanting to grow in your walk with Christ, that is going to come through friendships, through time spent with God's people, with people who will challenge your faith, who will who will further your faith, rather than people who will influence you to abandon it. Uh, and so uh, just as David shared from Nehemiah today, uh, it is so important for you to be in those Bible-teaching, Bible-believing bodies. And we would encourage you uh, to find one where you are so that you can actively be involved. Uh, and if you're in the Harrodsburg area, we would love to have you uh, join us or any of the Bible-believing teachers in our community uh, and Bible-believing uh, churches in our community. There are many of them. Uh, so if we can help you in any way to find a church home for yourself, reach out to us. Uh, you can contact us uh, through our website, uh, harrodsburgbaptist.org uh, or uh, harrodsburg.church uh, is a simple way to find us as well. Uh, and you can reach out to us. We are located at 312 South Main Street. Uh, if you choose to come see us in person, uh, we would love to talk with you about how you can start a journey with Christ or how you can uh, journey with other believers. Uh, so this has been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Until next week, we encourage you to journey together with a body of believers.